fly around. Little green peas from the ground. Buttermilk biscuits, nice and brown. Bring it to the Tennessee farm table. Butter beans, peas, beets, and chard. Chickens running in the yard. Catfish frying in that lard. Bring it to the Tennessee farm table. Cast on skillets, good and hot. Watch it steam and crack and pop. Cornbread bacon in that stove. Bring it to the Tennessee farm table. Pick them maters, good and ripe. Drop 'em black gang candy stripes. Look at 'em loading down those vines. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Welcome to the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast, a show that is dedicated to the people of the state of Tennessee who produce, prepare, and preserve food and agriculture, often with that mountain south Appalachian flair. And on occasion, I just might have a guest from our neighbors from surrounding states here in the southeast. This is your hostess and producer, Amy Campbell. The theme song that you just heard was sung and produced by East Tennessee's own Emmy Sunshine. She's from Madisonville, Tennessee. Today, we are setting the table with Asian baked goods and Tennessee Wagyu beef. My first guest is Jessica Carr, a young entrepreneurial woman who created Girls Gotta Eat Good Asian Bakery. This is Knoxville's first Asian bakery. Jessica turned her love of baking, many of her mother's recipes, and a gutsy leap of faith after prayer into a really smart business, and she's seeing good results. An inspirational story. In Fred Sossman's Potluck Radio series, he visits with Ron Hawkins of Hawknest Farms, a Wagyu beef farmer who's located in the green Washington County area of Tennessee. Thank you so much for tuning in today, either by podcast or radio broadcast. I really appreciate your good company today. Jessica Carr has created Knoxville's first Asian bakery called Girls Gotta Eat Good. This is one of those stories that I hope will help to inspire. So let's join Jessica now. Describe your business, would you? So, Girls Gotta Eat Good is Knoxville's first Asian bakery. I don't have a physical location, but I bake out of a commercial kitchen, and I do pop-ups all over Knoxville, and I also do online orders, and I sell usually via social media, so Facebook or Instagram, and I'm a regular vendor at Nourish's Farmer's Market in Market Square, so I do that every Saturday. Yeah, I don't, I don't have a physical location, but that kind of gives me the freedom to be able to pop up around town in Knoxville and share my baked goods with everybody. This is Knoxville's first Asian bakery. How did you get to specifically make these products? I started baking during the pandemic, actually, 
And I was doing freelance marketing. And when the pandemic hit, I got laid off from both of my freelance jobs. And so I had to file for unemployment. And I was going crazy. I was like, I need to do something with my hands. I need to have, I'm a very goal oriented person. And so I was like, I need to have goals and things that I'm trying to do every week. And I started craving these baked goods that my mom would make for me when I was growing up. And a lot of them were Filipino baked goods that I couldn't get anywhere else. And so I would call up my mom and say, hey, I'm craving puto, which is a steamed coconut cake. And I, you know, couldn't see them at the time because it was too dangerous with, with COVID being so contagious. And so I called her up and was like, I'm really craving puto. And she's like, well, here's all the ingredients you need. And I would FaceTime her and make it. And she kind of show her the finished product. And then I started posting pictures of that on my Instagram, which was a food blog at the time. And then people started messaging me and they were saying, I really want one of these. I really want to try it. I've never had this before. I really want to buy these. And then I would kind of wrap them up and deliver them to my friends because, you know, we all couldn't see each other. And so I would drop it off at their house and people were taking pictures of them and posting about them. And people were like, I want treat boxes. I want treat boxes of all of these desserts that you're making. And it kind of just blossomed from there. And, you know, after that, it hit me that there are there is no place in Knoxville to get fresh Asian baked goods. You can go to, you know, some of the Asian markets, but they get them in frozen and then defrost them. So there's nobody who is making these these fresh Asian baked goods. And so I saw the need for it and I kind of was like, maybe I can do this as a business. Maybe I can make a living doing this. I think you are so darn smart to do this. <laughs> And my my biggest like motivation, my biggest driving point is that I I prayed about this business and I I really feel like it is a seed that God planted in my heart of like this is my purpose. At the beginning of it was so so nervous to let go of the marketing because I was like, well, how am I supposed to make money selling cookies to people at the farmers market? How am I supposed to pay my rent or buy my health insurance? And God kind of put it in my heart of like, I will take care of you. If this, this is my purpose for you, I will make a way for you. And no one can stop that if that's my way for you. And so the pieces just started falling together and it felt like this was my sign. And I was at a marketing firm and I was working there and this was the beginning of last year. And I was working there and I was, I was kind of given an ultimatum and it was, you have to work here full time or you're not going to be able to do, you know, freelancing for us. So you have to do this full time position or else I'm going to go find someone else. And I was just doing my pop ups on the weekends and then working this like 35 hour a week job and then doing pop ups on the weekends. And I was, I mean, I wasn't sleeping, I was anxious, I was, I didn't have any days off at all, and I knew that it was going to come to a breaking point where I was like, I, I can't do both of these things. And I kind of just got down on my knees and I was like, okay, God, if, 
you know, this is what you want me to do. I'm willing to let go of this marketing thing. If, you know, this is what you want me to do, like make a way for me. And I just was like, in my head was, you know, he put it in my heart, like just quit, quit, quit the marketing job and I'll take care of you. And I didn't, I didn't have any security blanket. I didn't have a net and I was just like, okay, you know, if this is what I'm supposed to be doing, I have to, and, and so cliche, but I was like, I have to do the leap of faith thing and just go ahead and jump and then he'll catch me as soon as I do that. And so I had to just show him that I was committed to it. And I quit my job. I put my two weeks in. And then the next week I found out that I got into the farmer's market. And I had been on the wait list for the farmer's market for like six months. It's very hard to get into because you have all of these farmers that have been doing it for like 10, 15, 20 years. And there are only so many spots. So it was, you know, hard for me to get into it, but God made a way for me. And that is the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing. That is so inspirational, Jessica. And it's not, it's not like all rainbows and sunshine (laughs) after that. Like I'm just being airlifted to success, you know, (laughs) it's still, it's still a lot of hard work and there are still times where I'm you know, pulling out of my savings to pay for rent or pulling out of my savings to pay for my health insurance. And it's still, you know, markets where I'm only selling like six or seven baked goods and then I'm having to Mm. figure out what I'm going to do with the rest of it. And there's a slow season and there are times where, you know, the money isn't flowing, but that's, that's business. Like that is business life. And I still am being taken care of. Like I still can pay my rent and I still can pay my health insurance like it will just happen out of the blue where someone will place a big order and I'm like okay thank you guys <laughs> you know <laughs> to me it's really important also with my business to kind of share the experience of being an Asian American so I grew up in the south my entire life I was born in Oklahoma my dad was in the air force so I moved around all over the place but I primarily grew up in the south and I've never been to the Philippines before. So I'm, you know, setting up a table at the farmer's market and my business says Asian bakery and people will come up to me and they just assume that I'm this world traveler that has been to the Philippines and been all over Asia. And that's, you know, how I'm doing what I'm doing, but it's couldn't be farther from the truth. (laughs) I just really enjoy sharing my Filipino culture with people And so I'm, but I'm also a Southern woman. Like I identify as an Asian Southern woman. And so when I'm sharing these baked goods with with people, I want them to know that it's it's not this foreign exotic thing. It is something that is close to my heart and something that kind of is a melting pot of these two cultures to help people understand that like that, that Asian American person is not some foreigner from another country. Like I'm an American, I'm from here too. And I also have, you know, have Southern fried chicken and biscuits. And I know all these things are too. Like I feel more Southern sometimes than I do Asian. And people kind of sometimes are just like, oh, this is the thing that makes you different. And so that kind of sticks out. But what I want them to know is It is something that is not as foreign to them as they think that it is. You are listening to the Tennessee Farm Table. We're visiting today with Jessica Carr, who has created Knoxville's first Asian bakery called Girls Gotta Eat Good. 
In the second part of our interview, I asked Jessica to describe three of her customers' favorite baked goods, where she sells her products, and how to get in touch with her. How about your top three that are your biggest sellers? Will you describe them? Yeah, so I make a lot of my baked goods have ube in it, and you can find me at pretty much every pop-up at least explaining to people what ube is like 30 to 40 times (laughs) per pop-up, but I really don't mind because I really want people to understand what it is. And ube is a purple Filipino yam. It's like a sweet potato and it has a very subtly sweet flavor. And I cook it with coconut milk and kind of just brings out that sort of flavor. And it reminds me of supercharged vanilla, has a very vanilla almondy flavor. And so one of my most popular desserts that I make is an ube cheesecake brownie. So it's an ube cake layer on the bottom and then cheesecake on top. And then I do the marble design on the top of it. And when I first started making these, I sold out in like an hour. And one of the things that I really love about that dessert specifically is it is kind of like a an Asian dessert mixed with a traditional Southern dessert. Like everyone has had a cheesecake brownie, but it has that, you know, little something that makes it extra special, which is the ube. And I mean, I sell out of those pretty much every single pop-up that I do. Um, And then one of my second most popular desserts is the ube crinkle cookie. Mm -hmm. And so I take that ube, I make it into a cookie dough, and then I roll it in powdered sugar and then bake them. And it is, everyone knows what a crinkle cookie is too, but it also has that little extra special thing that makes it an Asian baked good, which is the ube. And then another dessert that I make that is really close to my heart is the kalame. So it is a sticky rice cake and... This is a dessert that my mom would make for Christmas pretty much every year when I was growing up. And the, I use her recipe, and it is very it is very unique to my business because what she does is... So traditionally, kalame is more of like a sticky rice cake that is made with brown sugar. So it has more of like a, a brown kind of color to it. And they kind of just top it with usually like coconut But what she has done with it is that she cooks the sweet rice with cream of coconut and then she puts uh, leche flan on top of it. So it's like an egg custard on top of the sticky rice. And all of my, it's very funny because when people first see it, they're like, what do you mean sweet rice? Because they're so used to rice being savory. And they're like, so is it really sweet? And I'm like, you know, it's it's subtly sweet. It has that coconut flavor to it. And it's sticky because it congeals into, like, you know, a cake. And they are like, well, I don't know. I don't know if I really want that. I'm not sure. And then someone will convince them to get it. And they'll buy it from me and they'll say, thank you, you know, have a nice day. And they'll walk away and an hour later they'll come back and they'll be like, I'll take four more of those. (laughs) And they're like, this is one of the best things that I've ever eaten. And I've had that happen at least ten times. Like there are customers who are like, well, I don't know if I should try this. It's very different. And I'll convince them. I'm like, just give it a chance. And then they'll come back and they'll be like, I'll take five more of those, please. (laughs) Now, you just told us about kalame, which is a family thing. Are there other family recipes that you use? 
actually a lot of my recipes come from my mom. So the puto, the steamed coconut cake, that is her recipe. Sometimes I make like steamed buns and all of those are her recipe. And for a lot of the other desserts that I make, I kind of look up recipes online and then kind of change them to what I want them to be. So an example of that is I made peaches and cream mochi cake. And mochi cake is a really popular dessert that's made with rice flour, and you can find it usually in Hawaii. So they'll have butter mochi cake, and it has a very kind of like chewy consistency. And I made the butter mochi cake with a recipe that I found online, and when I tasted it, I was like, this is missing something. And I don't know what it's missing, but I really want to try to figure it out. And it it reminded me a lot, the consistency reminded me of cobbler. So then I thought, well, what if I, what if my southern twist on this is that I try to make it like peach cobbler? So I added fresh peaches into the, into the batter of it, and then I thought this could use some more sweetness, and so I put condensed milk over the top of it, and it, it just like the, the peaches meld so well with the softness of the cake and it has like a crust on top of it. And then when you put the condensed milk glaze on top of it, it reminds me of cobbler with ice cream. And I also sell out of that all the time. <laughs> and the, people are also very confused by it because they'll see what looks like kind of like more dense cake with you know peaches on top of it and so like i have no idea what this is and i'm like well and i try to describe it in terms where where they'll understand like desserts that they're familiar with so i'll say well it's kind of like peach cobbler but a little chewier is how i describe it to them and it's also gluten-free because it uses the rice flour so it's perfect for people who have like a, a gluten allergy and i will usually just try to describe it in a way that people understand. A lot of people have had mochi before, which is a, a Japanese dessert that is usually kind of like a round, chewy circle, and most of the time it has red bean paste in the middle of it. And so it, it does have that chewy consistency, but they're like, but how is it cake? How is it in a cake form? <laughs> and that it comes from the rice flour that you use because both of those desserts have rice flour. And that's what gives it its chewy consistency. And so, again, it's usually like a, well, I've never had this before, but I love peaches. They're always like, I love peaches. And it sells really well in the summertime. And everyone's craving peaches. And I'm like, well, I love peaches, so I'll give it a try. And people will pop that container open in front of me and bite into it. And they're like, this is amazing. <laughs> and they're like, what did you say it was mochi? Did you say it was mochi cake? And I was like, oh, it's a mochi cake. And they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> it is extremely satisfying to see someone bite into a dessert that you spent so much time on. And not just making, but creating it, thinking about it. Whenever I... Whenever I have inspiration for desserts, I will wake up in the middle of the night and say, okay, I want to make something that's like peach cobbler, or I want to make like apple cinnamon mochi cake for the fall. And I'll just like instantly wake up and then have to write it down. And then to see all of that come down to the moment where someone buys it from you at the farmer's market, and then they bite into it and their eyes light up. It is the most beautiful thing. And again, where is it that people can find your products? They can find my baked goods at the farmer's market. I'm usually there every Saturday, and that's the downtown farmer's market in Market Square. 
And I also have uh, Facebook and Instagram. And so I will post my pop-up schedule usually the first week of the month on Facebook and Instagram so people can know where to find me for the rest of the month. And I also have an online order form so people can place an order. And I usually just ask for five days in advance of when they need it. And so they can order baked goods that way too. And um, what is your preferred way for people to contact you? Usually on Facebook and Instagram is the best way, I would say. Okay. Is your mother just so proud of you? She is really proud of me. And the really the really beautiful thing about that is my my mom is an amazing cook. She's an amazing cook. She's an amazing baker. And I grew up in the kitchen with her. And my mom's from the Philippines, and my dad is from Tennessee. He's actually from Livingston, close to Cookville. And so growing up, I had all of those like traditional southern dishes because my mom wanted to remind my dad of home so she would make southern fried chicken and biscuits and fried catfish and white beans and cornbread and all that kind of stuff but i also had all those traditional filipino foods so i had adobo and pancit and lumpia and so i just had like a melting pot growing up of all this delicious food and my mom, it was so funny, whenever I started asking my mom for her recipes, I didn't, I didn't do that when I was, you know, in high school or even in college. I did that as an adult where I was just like, hey, can I have your recipe for this? I really want to know how to make your adobo. And she's like, oh, now you want to know how to make my adobo. <laughs> and I've actually brought her some of my baked goods, and she looked at me and was like, this is really amazing. I'm very, very proud of what you've been able to do. And she's surprised me. Her, my grandma, and my aunt, and my cousin surprised me at the farmer's market uh, last year. And I almost cried because they had never, they were wearing my t-shirt with my logo on it. And they showed up and my, my grandma is also from the Philippines. And they all were just like looking at me, interacting with these customers and selling all these treats. And they were all just like, we all got a picture together. It was very, very sweet. You are listening to the Tennessee Farm Table. We've been visiting today with Jessica Carr, who has created Knoxville's first Asian bakery called Girls Gotta Eat Good. And Jessica does take orders for special occasions. She said she baked her buns off for Valentine's orders this past weekend. I've placed a link to her Facebook and Instagram page, pictures of her ube crinkle cookies, and her kalame, pictures of Jessica, and the podcast of this show on my website, tennesseefarmtable.com. And a note, Jessica does not advertise on this show. Up next is Fred Sossman's Potluck Radio Series. He visits with Ron Hawkins of Hawk Nest Farms, a Wagyu beef farmer who's located in the green Washington County area of Tennessee. This is Potluck Radio. I'm Fred Sausman. I'm Ron Hawkins, Hawk Nest Farm, which is located in the southern end of Washington County, Tennessee. Ron Hawkins sells Wagyu beef. We talked to Ron at the Farmer's Market in Jonesboro, Tennessee. I was an inspector for the International Atomic Energy Agency, and Japan was my country to be inspected. So in my trips to Japan checking their reactors, I got introduced to their beef. 
their Wagyu beef. I actually uh, started out with a Wagyu bull and uh, put them on my Angus cows, brought the bull from Idaho, had him shipped in, then brought a heifer from Montana, had her shipped in, and I'm gradually building the purity of my herd to now I have the full blood, the highest quality Japanese cattle on, on the ground. Wagyu were developed by the government of Japan. They spent over $5 billion doing everything they could to develop the beef. They even tell you what type of wood you put in your trailer to haul them to the market. I sell about 23 different cuts. I try to take advantage of the whole animal. I get for the tongue, the, I get the organ meats. Steaks definitely are their best seller. Uh, the roasts are a, a good seller. There's things that I didn't even know existed in the animal, like um, the tri-tip roast. When we pulled it out, it turned out to be one of the best roasts and most desirable. I've also been trying to get the beef in for all the farm-to-table dinners. I worked with a lot of chefs, and the chefs all told me don't over-season the meat. Salt and pepper are the only thing that should be added to Wagyu beef. The meat's so perfect, anything else detracts. For me, and for the experience I'm getting at the market, the best thing that works is just slow cooking. You don't actually need to sear it. For Potluck Radio, visiting with Wagyu beef farmer Ron Hawkins at the Farmer's Market in Jonesboro, Tennessee, I'm Fred Saussman. This is Jessica Carr, owner of Girls Gotta Eat Good, Knoxville's first Asian bakery, and you are listening to the Tennessee Farm Table. Thank you so much for joining us here today at the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast. It has been an honor to have your good company. We always love to hear from you on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, or through the website, TennesseeFarmTable.com. I'd sure love to hear from you and swap some recipes and stories. Big thanks to Emmy Sunshine of Madisonville, Tennessee, for the musical arrangement and singing and recording of our theme song. For updated appearances, schedule, news, and her new recording, connect with Emmy Sunshine at TheEmmySunshine.com. We hope you have a good week and keep on digging. This has been a Campbell Creative Incorporated production.